All right, man. So check this out. <laughs> Over the weekend, right? I take my dog to the groomer so he can go get washed and taken care of and shit. And I'm walking across the street with my dog. And he's a pretty sizable dog. Chino's about 80, about 80 pounds. He's an American bulldog. And I'm walking across the street. And one of Elgin's cousins from Chester came speeding by mind you we in a parking lot so i don't know why they're speeding by but they're speeding by for whatever reason and damn near hits me and my dog now this shows you the difference between white people and black people <laughs> because an old dude was getting out of his car and we're both taking our dogs into the same spot and he sees me almost get run over by this motherfucking car <laughs> and he asked me my man are you okay you doing all right i was like Man, I was close. I don't know what the hell was wrong with that guy. And there's a lady walking across the street with her dog, and she asks, is my dog okay? Not me, but the dog, if the dog is all right. She didn't ask me if I was all right. She asked if the dog was. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, this is one of the pitfalls of why, why black people hate white people. So. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to blame it all on all on Elder's fucking cousin because if he had just been going the speed limit I would have never had to fucking interact with this goofy ass white lady fainting over my dog almost being run over by a car like he walked himself to the motherfucking bet smart <laughs> like what the fuck about this bitch god damn it Elgin get, call your cousin and tell him mind his motherfucking business <laughs> <laughs> I see you on your light skin shit today, man. What's up with your no, light? Oh, bro, listen, I'm just trying. To, what's wrong with my light? You usually you look more illuminated. You look, you, you look like you got a tan. You don't got a light in your room. What's going on over there? <laughs> I'm asking the questions that people going to ask when they see the video, man. What's wrong with you? Come on, dog. You got to come on. We got to we got to be better, Elgin. We, we got to okay. be better. Well, how about we start with funnier jokes, and we'll start there. <laughs> Hold up. You see the type of bullshit that I talk. I'm giving you my life experience. I wasn't telling you a joke. I was telling you what happened to me. Why you gotta be like that? I really told you what almost happened. You see, I mean, any opportunities you get to to blame light skin, you know, we still with that. (laughs) (laughs) After all these, we wonder why. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? What's up? What is up? Back once again, it is the Incredible in the Black podcast. And in case you weren't aware, this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it all from the perspective of three grown-ass men who are always trying to get into a little bit of good trouble. I am your host, Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. But you know I can never do this alone. Let me introduce the rest of the Wu-Tang Clan. Crush, say what's up. What's good, everybody? No doubt. L, what's going on, man? 
Besides, you not have a proper lighting in your in your in your door your domicile over there. <laughs> I can turn the camera off. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he always gets. Yeah. You damn. can never be I in mean, the middle with anything. You always got to be on it. <laughs> no, <laughs> man. I mean, damn. You doing these jokes tonight? What well, up, uh, niggas? Not jokes. To- it's real yeah, life. Okay. Okay. It's real life. Okay. I'm here, bro. Which, which one are they? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. If you're checking this out on YouTube, make sure you hit that thumbs up button. It goes a long way. Also, hit that sexy ass subscribe button so you don't miss out on the next episode. If you're digging what we're putting down, you can always become a Patreon member. That, that helps us out a whole yeah. bunch as well. So make sure you do that. You can follow us across social media at In The Black pdcst on facebook twitter and on instagram but elgin before we jump into all that this show has to offer man please tell these good folks how they can become part of the family man man this is an important part of the show man you see what we're trying to build what we're trying to put together over here in the black it's imperative that you come through and support frankly without your support we're not going to be able to get to the level that we we desire and you want us to get to if y'all motherfuckers don't click the become family tab click the become family tab there's a number of options there man you can buy the swag you can become a patron and that's one of the things we've really been pushing to all of our listeners all of our haters (laughs) everyone who's paying attention to anything that we're doing become a patron uh, there's a number of tiers that you can subscribe to. There's a number of behind the scenes shit that you can bang with and see. You'll love it. And if you just want to go ahead and donate, man, straight to our cash app in the black PDCST. We take all <laughs> denominations from a dollar, cheap ass, all the way to, <laughs> to a hundred dollars. So feel free, man, to give us what you like, man. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Just being thrifty. This dude over here, he stays insulting the people. And then he asks shit at the same goddamn don't time. Damn, don't give me a damn dollar. You spend uh, a dollar on a, a bottle on a, a bottle of Dasani. Nasty ass. It's specific, man. It's very specific. He really has a problem with the experience. My guy. All right, so let's get into the buys check in for the week, man. <laughs> What's going on? Hell, go ahead and start, start it off. off thing, man. Start off, man. Come on, man. Okay. Well, uh, for me, I think um, my physical, I'm at maybe, I think, a 8, 9. Uh, nah, I'm lying. Probably about a 7. I'm about to go back to the doctor to go check some things out, make sure that I'm on the up and up. Uh, intellectually, I am tired. So I'm at a like 5 at this point, to be very honest with you. Emotionally, um, a lot of things have been going on. So... I'm probably at a five, six. Um, spiritually, I don't even know how to quantify it, to be honest with you. I've, you know me, I try to be prayerful, but sometimes I get into my my zone and I'm like, I don't want no parts of anything right now. So I'm that's where I am this week anyway. But yeah. I go next. Uh, physically, man, I feel pretty good, man. Uh, I do have a doctor's appointment coming up here on the 13th, uh, you know, full physical blood work, all that type of stuff. So I'm anticipating that doctor's appointment, man, uh, really just to get a barometer of where my health is, uh, 
prepared to make the necessary changes. So I'm excited about that. But overall, I feel good. But that don't mean that physically I am good. No, I <laughs> so I I'm waiting to go see my ignorant ass doctor who gonna tell me, you know, <laughs> motherfucker, you're not good. Uh, but intellectually, man, I'm all over the place, man. Um, I'm doing good. School's in full fucking swing with these professors. Uh, these are some demanding ass motherfuckers, man. Uh, but it's going well, though. Uh, emotionally, I'm pretty good, man. Uh, really doing some self-examinations, some self-evaluation here lately of uh, relationships and things that I'm doing in life to make sure that I'm on the up and up, uh, not necessarily examining where others are, but am I doing the necessary things that should be done to maintain relationships and things along those lines. So uh, that's hard ass work, particularly when you start seeing shit that like, oh no, motherfucker, you are the one. Uh, <laughs> that's your fault, y'all ain't talking. Right. Uh, then you got a choice to make. Spiritually, I'm in a I'm in an okay space, man. I'm praying. I'm having conversations with the divine. Uh, you know, sometimes it's what the fuck is happening. Other times is you know, I'm thankful for what the fuck is happening. So it's funny. It's funny you saying that shit, man. I'm earlier during the week I saw your tweet and you were like, God, my conversation with God is like, where the <laughs> fuck you at? And I was like, God damn, this dude must he must be in it today. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's rough out in these streets, man. Hmm. Yeah. Crush. All right. Well, uh, physically, I would say I feel pretty good, but I'm been a little tired, a little stressed from some of the situations I'm involved with. You know, good stress, good pressure, you know. Um, just learn to manage it, you know. <coughs> um, in- intellectually, I would say um, I am being... Uh, I am exercising uh, this, this mental muscle in some different ways. Um, you know, taking the lead in certain situations, uh, like with my my crew there, my my caption there, the amphibians.com. We have an album coming out tomorrow, and um, I feel very good about that. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot a lot of, a lot of gymnastics that uh, that go into that uh, more than I expected. Uh, so emotionally, I'm kind of you know um, excited and. Tired at the same, just tired at the same time. Um, but uh, but you know, I'm also dealing with some recent news, um, that uh, you know, brought some uh, some some uh, some realities to the forefront, and uh, I'm very concerned. And I am, you know, emotionally, one half of me is excited, but the other half is very worried, mm-hmm. also. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to you know, balance that out somehow. Uh, which could lead into uh, the spiritual questions I've been having lately, you know, around uh, certain things. So, yeah. I want to give a quick shout out to L, even though I hate this motherfucker. I know that this, like Elgin usually says to me, this message will fucking self-destruct. So nobody will ever really listen. (laughs) But all jokes aside, man, I... I was talking to one of my homeboys the other day and he was telling me right. how he's like 50 plus years old. And he was talking about how he had a sleep app and we were in another conversational group or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about his sleep, uh, sleep, sleep pap, correct? Pap. Sleep, CPAP. CPAP. I apologize. With the sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So a CPAP machine and mask that he uses. And another dude was like, yeah, yeah you know, they were sharing their, I guess their their uh, what do you want to call it? Their issues that they've been having and the tips and tricks that they've been using. I'm like, okay, so both of you guys, 
use a CPAP? He's like, yeah, man. And then we started having this conversation about why they need it, what it's for, and how it's essentially changed their life. So I'm thinking to myself about all these nights that I've been having issues and the snoring and all this other stuff. So I hit up L. I'm like, L, have you ever heard of this shit? You know what it's for? He's like, yeah, nigga, I've had this shit for <laughs> 100 donkey years already. I've been using this for forever. And I was like, what? Oh, okay. Which made me ultimately start doing more investigation. And then that's ultimately, well, I already have my yearly, uh, every for my birthday, I always go get a physical. That's besides the physical that I do at the beginning of the year. Um, but I'm, that's one of the things I'm going to be asking my doctor about when I go to see him in the next couple of weeks is like, yo, like, what can we do? What tests do I need to take? And so on and so forth. So. Right. Yeah. And it was funny because old boy was telling me, he said, once you put, he's been using it for the past, maybe one of them's been using it for maybe 10 years. The other one's been using it about five, six years. And he said, the wow. first time you use it, he's hmm. like, it's like night and day. He's like, it changed. He said, it changed my life the first time I used it. I was like, what do you mean? He said, I've slept and thought that I was restful. He said, nah. He said, it's not even the same, my guy. I said, really? He's like, yeah. And he said, true like, sleep, true sleep. He said, like, true sleep for the first time ever in his life, man. And I couldn't. Rough, and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, shit. He's like, one of the big, and I want to make sure that I say this. He said, one of the biggest parts about why this is essential. And I'm not a clinician, I'm not a prov medical provider. So I want to make sure you mm -hmm. do your own due diligence and research it as well. But from what I understand, <clears throat> he said, you go to sleep and you have these fitful sleeps you stop breathing in the middle of the night, which decreases the oxygen flow to your body. And because oxygen is not getting to your body, it's difficult for your heart to pump and get oxygen because it's limited to the other parts of your body that need it. And because it's having this difficulty, it's doing extra work. So for us as black men that will suffer from sleep apnea, and we'll do it for years and decades upon decades. And then we end up dying at the age of 43 because we've had a heart attack because we've been having all of these issues and our heart just can't take it anymore. And when he said, when he put it to me like straightforward point blank like that, it, it frightened me. It's scary. It is. I mean, when I don't use mine, I feel the difference in the morning. Really? Uh, I feel that the significant, I, I just wake up exhausted. Hmm. Uh, literally, I feel like I have been, you know, playing full for four or five hours with 18 year olds. Uh, that type of exhaustion, man. And it's a, I mean, it's a really a significant difference. And I think the part that plays is so important is not just a physical component, it's really also a mental component because. When you are not at your best physically, it affects you emotionally and mentally. So you wake up for people who are not typically morning people. If you don't get the rest you need and you're not a morning person and you got little ones, you got somebody in your house who is a morning person. You have to you need that time to adjust. It's just it's just a really weird difficult situation man and mm -hmm. i advise brothers to go a sleep study is nothing man they hook you up to a machine you take a nap you wake up they give you some damn results and say hey yeah you have it or you don't have it yeah right and there's a number of things reasons why you may have it 
Yeah. Um, some of it's stress related. Some of it is you your BMI is too high. Yeah. It can be you have sinus and nasal issues. There's a hundred different reasons, and some of them are repairable. Some of them are not. Mm-hmm. But it's best to get it put and checked out because just like Sean said, man, the heart component, literally, your heart is working overtime. And at some point in time with anything, wear and tear begins to take place and it doesn't function the way it was designed. Uh, so go get checked out, man. Yeah, man. Don't be bullshit. The two dudes that I was talking to, because the first thing I thought of was like, okay, this is a problem that big dudes have. Because mm-hmm. some of the folks that I've been seeing that have the issue, and I don't want to get too far off topic, but I think this is a very imperative mm-hmm. for us to talk about, mm-hmm. that do people that I've been seeing in documentaries and news studies and so on are usually like right. former NFL athletes, big guys, right? Sure. And they yeah. usually yeah. associate sleep apnea with people that are big, right? Sure. These two dudes are not big at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you two motherfuckers need a sleep apnea machine or whatever. It's like, it's a bunch, like, like Elsa, there's a bunch of different reasons why a motherfucker could need some CPAP. Stress is killing us, man. Yeah, my guy. And it's killing black men specifically because, I mean, we've talked about it before. We're less likely to go get ourselves checked out in the first place. Maybe because we don't want to hear the bad news or whatever the case is. But Man, I took I started taking that a lot more seriously. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. It's a shame that we begin to, many of us begin to take it serious when it happens. Something bad happens to one of the loved ones that we love. So I had a homie who was my age who had a heart attack. Like this is somebody I went to school with. Full blown you know stroke I mean? like that. Oh, just just listen, man. Bam. Relatively good health, man. You know, didn't do all didn't have all the crazy extracurricular activities. Heart attack in the sleep. Died. Jesus Gone. Christ. Damn. Come to find out that he had a a mild heart defect. That if he would have been on top of his doctor's appointment, it's a good chance that the doctor would have found it, and there was corrective measures that he could have taken. But he is adverse to going to the doctor's appointment. Let's let's also take a quick step back, and I think that it's it's imperative for us to also mention that outside of just going to the doctor, that is step one. We have to learn how to be solid and strong advocates for ourselves and for our physical health because yeah. this is let's keep it 100 doctors are not doing this necessarily for altruistic reasons they're getting paid a lot of money and gone are the days where you'd be able to sit down with your doctor maybe for an hour or two while he goes through a battery of tests and asks you questions That's and all those other things. Yeah. They're getting you in and out the door because you're getting that copay. They're on to the next person. People are scheduled. So if you find yourself going to a doctor, like I recently had, I think about the beginning of last year, had an issue where my brother-in-law is studying to be a doctor, but he already has his PhD in medicine. And I was talking to him and he was saying, well, you need to ask your doctor to do these specific tests as you turn to be 40. 
And you need to do that. Why? Because not necessarily because you're going to have a problem with all of those things that you're facing. But as you get older, you need to know what the baseline is. So I'm 40 years old. This is where I stand at each one of these benchmarks for my heart, for my mental health, for all these things. So that when you get older, you go to the next doctor or whatever the case is, you know, okay, well, we know that your BMI was here a year ago. It's here now. We know that your heart and all this other stuff was here a year ago. It's here now. If your doctor's not willing to do that, then you need to find another doctor. And that's where I found myself at at the beginning of last year, mm. where I told, wow. after I had that conversation with my brother-in-law, I asked my doctor, hey, I want to do these tests. And he was like, why? Why do you want to do these tests? You're, 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 you're fairly all right. I mean, let's just work on X, Y, and Z. So you got to be bigger and stronger advocates for ourselves, not just taking the word of a doctor because this dude has some degrees on his wall. You know what I'm saying? And that necessarily doesn't mean you go to a doctor to hear what you want to hear. But at the mm -hmm. same time, if shit, you know, within yourself, if shit just doesn't sound right, doesn't feel right. right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. All right. Tonight, before our black box letters, actually been a bunch of comments and letters that we've been getting from you guys as the day has been progressing. Uh, yesterday, President Joe Biden gave his joint his speech to the joint uh, chambers of Congress. Um, which would essentially be the State of the Union, I guess, because we didn't have it at the beginning of the year, it was the State of the Union, all that other stuff. And Senator Tim Scott, one of the two, one of the sole two black senators in the United States Congress, gave the opposing argument for the Republican Party. And during that conversation or during his rebuttal, he said that Amer there is no racism in America, which, of course, as you can well imagine, has caused a huge backlash, not just for him, but for many Republicans across the board, especially Republicans that are either black or people of color. One of the things that made me look at Kim Scott's comments weirdly, right? is not necessarily because he said that there was no racism in America, but he started off the conversation by talking about America's original sin. So America's original sin, for you guys that probably don't know, is slavery, right? Slavery was not born out of nothing. Slavery is an anthemism for racism. So how can you start your speech off talking about America's original sin and then say that there's no racism in America when the foundation of America was built off of racism. Two, this is the same Tim Scott that two years ago wrote a full op-ed in the Washington Post or the Washington Examiner, one of the two, one of these newspapers, and talked about how he faced racial profiling at the Capitol, him as a senator coming in. People know him and he would still get stopped like he was just some Joe Smo, and held off to the side until someone says, oh, he's not just some regular black guy. He's Senator Tim Scott. Why don't you let him on through? So you've got these two opposing parts of Tim Scott that are not balancing out for me right now. But I shouldn't be surprised. Trump was in office for four years and he didn't say not near one word about anything racial related. So. I mean, it is, I guess it's par for the course at this point. What did you guys think when you heard about Tim Scott and his comments? 
I mean, I mean, come on, man. I mean, I'm not sure. I, I, I can only be annoyed mildly to, to, to a certain extent. Um, you know, I, I, I can't be baffled anymore by these kind of antics. This is what it, it's an antic, it, you know, meant to signal something for someone. I don't know who, but, uh, you know, if, if, there, if there was anything that if there was any more you know, self-inflicted damage they want to do to themselves, feel free. Keep, 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 keep digging your own hole. I, I really don't care. Oh. I don't give a fuck, man. Listen, I mean, I wasn't surprised. It wasn't shocking. It wasn't, it doesn't bother me. Uh, I think two things. Listening to the vice president say something very similar to Tim Scott's. Mm, speak on it. Very similar. And her not get near the backlash that Tim Scott is getting. I think is incredibly fascinating to me. Tell 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 our tell our listeners why mm. you believe she didn't get as much backlash as Tim Scott got. Because for those people was... that don't know, she said that she does not believe America is a racist place, and yes. then tried to clarify it. But go ahead. I do not believe that this is a racist country, but we have a history that we need to speak truth about, uh, which to me is saying that this is not a racist country, the same thing that Tim Scott said. Uh, I think it's the fact that she, I mean, she did the same thing, but she's getting cut. She's getting cut a tremendous amount of slack. I think it's it, it has a lot to do with the fact that she's a, a black appearing female, for one, that they're cutting her some slack. I think it's why, also why, the fact- why, why do you do that? Black appearing female. Is she black or is she not black? I, how does she classify herself? I've- to, to be very honest, I've always nope. I've heard she her classify herself as a black woman. You have never heard her say that. She the way she's always herself. presented herself, or at least maybe in the media, maybe that's because I've never officially heard her say it. But oh, go ahead. no, no. When she speaks about it, she speaks about multiple heritage. Mm, true, true. Multiple, and so I wasn't trying to be disparaging towards her. I was actually trying to say this is how she identifies herself, respecting her in that manner. Understood. Uh, she yeah. appears to be a black woman. Most black people gravitate towards her as a black woman i mean we hold her is as, as we hold her in a pearls. certain esteem because she's a we believe she's a black woman no i get because you she's a black right. woman right. so yeah. and part of that is the fact that we equate all republicans with being white racists mm. so we don't mm. have this distinction to think that it's possible that democrats can be racist, even though you got this motherfucker down in West Virginia, who is as big a racist as mm, you anybody had in the country, who's going to, who's been holding up everything in a predominantly white state. So the fact that I'm surprised and disappointed that the vice president is actually getting slack, or not getting slack, she's not getting taken to task for her making this type of statement. Mm. That I think is just as egregious. Matter of fact, I'm gonna be honest with you. Hmm. I think it's more egregious than Tim Scott. Because at least Tim Scott has been consistent in his coonery. He's been here before. This this is not mm. a new coon moment for him. 
He's been a coon. He's for been a on that long train for a while. Right? Yeah. 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 So yeah. When he yeah. speaks, we yeah. get anything. Expect him to say anything different? No. Like, did you no. Know? Not really. Not really. No. It's like it's like being mad at a crackhead for smoking rock. Mm. Like that's what crackheads do. They smoke rock. <laughs> So you can't be mad at a crackhead for smoking rock because that's what motherfuckers do. So how, how is she? Cool to be cool. How is she trying to explain this away? How did he? No, she? she. How did she? she how is she trying to downplay this? She hasn't. She hasn't been challenged. Yeah, she has. I, I'll give you that. She has not been. Nobody she has not, has been, not been called to. T- I mean, nobody. It came off as pretty benign when you see it in it. When you see it in action. It comes across as a throwaway, and I think honestly, it came across as a throwaway, not because it's not warranted for us to pay attention to, but in the midst of what she was talking about. Like she's doing a small interview at the time. It's a lot different from sitting Tim Scott sitting in front of the whole country giving the rebuttal to President Biden. So that's more. No, no, I'm I'm just I'm, I'm not trying to be nice to her. I'm just trying to explain why it. People may have missed. It did sound like you were shooting her some bell just now. It did. <laughs> this mother. This mother. It did sound like you were shooting her. Oh, some okay. Bell. Okay. I'll, I'll. I'll leave that alone. Immediately, Whatever. Roland Martin, your boy, immediately had a a whole fucking live podcast talking about Tim Scott saying this is. I mean, but he, he didn't mention her one time. Not one time. He was on a podcast for like two fucking hours talking about a coon <laughs> when you can't even up. mention. You can't even. I swear up and down that it's, this nigga L is the reason why Roland Martin doesn't like us. <laughs> <laughs> that in the black Bro, podcast, we're not, we not dealing with that folks shit. Folks were going crazy all day about Tim Scott. I saw more Tim Scott posts yeah, about him saying everywhere. things that we should, by this point in time, expect him from to, him to yeah. say. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. There's no now, reason to get mad. Yeah. Now, I think that what got me, though, is not necessarily... Kamala Harris, because that is actually a big portion of it as well. That's terrible. But for me, <laughs> for me, it's it's become the number of black men that are starting to sound like Tim Scott. No, and I know you you give you, you give me the frou frou face and all that, but I'm trying to understand, bro. You're well, shooting bail, I mean, like no, 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 I'm, no, no, I'm, no. I'm not shooting bail. I'm, like I said, my it. it irks me because you heard that you heard Tim Scott and I can I can tell you the countless numbers of conversations that I've been a part of where black men specifically black Christian evangelicals more I would say at least half of the time former military were saying the same exact thing that Tim Scott was saying and I think that's a fair assessment. It, and it, it kind of it, it boggles my mind that you would separate yourself as an individual from as when you try to parse yourself as an individual from your Americanism or your Christianity and your blackness. And I was having a conversation yesterday about when we, all of this was transpiring. I was like, before we even get a chance to talk about our patriotism, or theology, you see my blackness first. So how can you try and parse that and say that you're not one, you're the other? Like, I, it just, it, it really just gets me, but. See, it, 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 there's some kind of illusion that they had the power to, to, to you know, uh, put their blackness aside in these conversations. 
But what makes them But what makes them think? That's the thing. What makes them think that they are that special or that they're separate that they can do that? Though I think that's that's the the big question. Like, how do you exist separately from every other black person in the United States that you Delusion. can be Christian first and Delusion. not a black delusion complete and utter delusion a bordering on skit no. <laughs> this is about to say schizophrenia it is, it is a, a, <laughs> but but yeah yeah it's a form of stockholm syndrome literally it's a form of stockholm syndrome you, you are literally so? being you would go you would go that far they're trying to they're, they're trying to they're far. trying to cope no, hold on. Say that you are literally, you are literally trying to you, Stockholm syndrome. You are literally trying to identify with your oppressor, captor, yep. your captor. You are li listen when you look at these sort of coons and this type of coon-like behavior. Who are they trying to line themselves up with? They're not. They're, they're literally trying to line themselves up with their so-called power source. This dude has been in this position. And he has been pat on the head by white folks for years. And in his pat on the head, he is con content with just mm -hmm. being close to Massa. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, this is how my man get down. So, you sound, it's, it's, some it's, people it's, might it's, hear you and say you sound very Tariq Nasheedish, my guy. What's going and it's on? Funny, and it's funny that they think they're cozy. <laughs> it's funny that they, they think they're cozying up to the source of the power when they're actually. The, the feed, they're actually the, the, the battery. Right. The they the power itself. You know the they're, they're feeding, they're, they're feeding. You know what I'm saying? Without them, there is no power. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. not for my yeah. man. I wonder who's Tim married to. I wonder what his wife looks like. Chat amongst yourselves. Let me Google that. <laughs> I'm not going to be surprised if I saw a certain image that I think we're all expecting. I wouldn't be surprised. If she's I wouldn't clear. be surprised. Okay, she's one of the things that I faced between last night and today as well is there seems to be no room for. I don't. Maybe middle of the road is not necessarily because I think that just seems very docile. Um, people that are not people that don't claim necessarily democratic politics in its totality or Republican politics in its totality. And this is why I say that I was having a conversation yesterday. And of course, Tim Scott made his gestures and all that other stuff. And I said, Tim Scott is trash because of X, Y, and Z. And you should have seen all the other folks like, yeah, you know, because of Biden and Biden and, and Kamala Harris, you know, all the filleting that Democrats do of <laughs> folks. And I was like, well, no, because Biden hasn't done this. Kamala hasn't done this. And then all of a sudden I get the, the well, you know, you don't understand politics. Who else are you going to vote for? You black. Why would you do that? All this other stuff. And then on the other side, of course, you're already being told because you don't agree with what Tim Scott said. You're, you're being told that you're on the plantation with the rest of them. So I'm like, okay, so... Like where where does that leave me that I recognize that both of these motherfuckers is trash and I'm trying to figure out who I guess for lack of a better description who's less trash. It leaves See, you in a place where you're actually yeah, able because... to think logically and to be objective. Uh, I think that's where most voters and people who are involved in politics are supposed to be. You're supposed to be able to look at all politicians and political parties objectively and not have some false fake 
foolish bullshit allegiance racial identity him. politics or some allegiance to some party based off of their historical mm -hmm. narrative. What the fuck are y'all doing for us now? Or it, some it, kind I, of I, I, it doesn't make any sense. And again, I'm interested to see in the coming days what people are going to say about Vice President Harris's comments. I'm interested to see. I'm will. I need her. Well, no, I don't need her. I need people to hold her feet to the fire to have her clarify her statements because mm. that is an incredibly egregious and dangerous statement to say when you have black bodies littering streets all across this country that have been put there by white police officers. And for you to get up there and say that there's no racism in this country, sis. President Joe Biden signed an executive order that made uh, the harassment of Asian Americans in this country because of COVID-19 a hate crime. Um, and motherfucking black folks is mad about that. They should be. Because, why, why should you be? No, no. I'm saying mad, not necessarily mad because they should be expecting anything different from Joe Biden. Mad in the so sense that we already that, have hate bills. We already have hate bills on the books. Yeah, old ones, really old. So let, ones. So let me ask. So let me ask you a question. Really, so really old. You, that's that, and that this is part of the the, the <laughs> argument, I guess. Why do you believe it was necessary for Joe Biden to do that? Mind you, we've He's we're pandering. just. I'm sorry. He's pandering. Why does he need to pander to them? Because they, they only account for 1.5 percent of the voting population. He, he, but, it's a it's a chance. It's a chance. It's a chance to control the narrative. How much money are they willing to put into his candidacy or to the Democratic Party? How much money do they have considerably or comparably to black folks? It's not simply, we, we just can't sit here and make it seem like this is a, a fully a race dynamic. There isn't, this is a, black folks don't have money to go out here and support candidates. We broke a shit. Regardless of motherfuckers want to agree and think that or not, we don't have the type of money to do that. So I believe it's really logical for him to line up and put this on for because you have a lot of white progressives, young millennials who've been pushing this support for Asians. That is just mind blogging to me, but I dig it. So it makes sense that he put this on the board. We already have one. We have multiple on the boards. I don't know why black folks is upset. Nah, about I don't. I don't think anything that we've had on the books at this point has been as specific as what he put forth recently. They always, when he does that, he always, it's always a a broader brush that's used. But we're There's expecting nothing... Biden to do something different. Why? No, 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 no. You're right. I like I said. I not the anger doesn't come from expecting him to do something. Where's it come from? In the fact that he had. I'm sorry. Where's it come from? Why are you angry? I think it's in the fact that we're watching this happen and we just came out of four or five months of people in the streets. There's quite a difference or not even just, not even just four or five months of people in these streets, be, be, uh, you know, tearing the streets up, but Asian Americans have been facing this backlash. And I put that in quotes. I'm not trying to diminish uh, what they face. No, I think you're fair by saying in the quotation, it's okay. Yeah, this backlash for let's about a year. Right, but they're not going to. How, how many people? How many black, black people do you know that? Type of stuff, man. I'm sorry. Repeat that. It. They're not. They're not going to give black folks that, man. They're, they're not. He's not going to do that. I'm waiting for the black folks who said we we're going to hold Biden and Harris accountable to start holding this motherfucker accountable. Let me know when y'all show up, okay? Because <laughs> so far, yeah, for real, it's some shit that we should be holding them accountable for. I mean, yeah, y'all mad about this Asian hate bill? When y'all going to hold them accountable? Because that's what y'all told me when y'all was voting for him. Yeah, right. You know, I can dig it. We got to come on. Oh, you was one of them. 
gotta, you, you were hold him accountable, brother. I am, and I, I, I am a hold him accountable, brother. Yes, you, you are right. Well, how are we holding accountable? <laughs> we, we had this conversation about how we would hold a president accountable, and I said you could not, and you said you could. No, I'm trying to figure out how of, we can. Part of holding them accountable, like we've already discussed, is following the money. Following the money. I know that you don't think that money from the black community into politics really means much, but no, I don't think we have it. Dude, if if we didn't have the money and the mobilization, you Raphael Warnock would not be senator in in, in Georgia. At some point in time, we're gonna have a conversation about Raphael Warnock's politics when it comes to the black community. I can I a can class I can, I, a, a, no no a class analysis discussion. Because we neglect to have a class analysis within the black community when it comes to politics, because these motherfuckers are not the same people that are. I, on I give the it block to you. I give it to office. you. I give it to you. But he comes. I mean, can you? Let, let me ask you a question. We'll move on to the next after that. Can you fault Warnock for being the son of who he is? Because they came from money. Because he came from. Because he came from the church, we know that he has a history of his family. No, no, no. I'm being, I'm being very, I'm being 100 percent with you. Are you shooting Bell again? I'm asking. Is he a Bell bondsman tonight? I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's what that's what we do tonight. That's that what we do. I'm asking you a question. I'm asking. You about you to a get question. a shot in a hat. I'm asking you a question. What <laughs> What would you have liked to or? proposed to have seen from Warnock, given that he didn't choose the class that he was born into? I'm asking the question. I would like for him to do a number of things. Expect him to do something different than what he's doing? No. I, my issue in, in bone of contention is not with the Warnocks, the Abrams, the, the AOCs, the Harrises of the world. My bone of contention is with radical grassroots organizers who have not done a good enough job of dealing with the class analysis in our own community. We fail at having that conversation because the middle-class folks, quote unquote, in black communities don't have the same concerns, the same issues as Ray Ray and them on the block. So, but we fall into the racial identity politics game. We vote for people purely based off of skin color and thinking that they have the same sort of oppression that we do. And once they get in office, their oppression meter is going to kick in and they're going to remember Ray Wade and Shanika. No, you're 100%. You're 100%. I have one of one of my, um, I tried to get him on the show. He's, like I said, he's been in politics since he was like 20 years old. And he's run campaigns, large, like national level campaigns. And he said, forget what you heard. This is a rich man's game. Even those folks that are groomed from the bottom up, whether they met you in college or you became part of like uh, the young Democrats or young Republicans in high mm -hmm. school and so on, and they start yeah. grooming you as they start seeing you at these functions, even then it is still a rich man's game. Why? Because you have to be able to convince people that you're worth having money funneled into you. Mm. So by the that's time you actually become a face that's notable, you may not have necessarily have a bankroll, but your name has a bankroll. That's and all of that counts. And all of that right. counts. All right. All right. L, let's go ahead and jump into it, my guy. What's next? Man, uh, 
the New Republic, man, dot com put out an article this week uh, on the 22nd titled The Black Panther Party Has Never Been More Popular, But Actual Black Panthers Have Been Forgotten. Uh, just want to read a quick piece of this because I thought it was so incredibly telling. Uh, essentially, what the article is highlighting is that in the midst of Beyonce's Super Bowl celebration, the Black Panther movie with the late great Chad Bozeman, also with Judas and the Black Messiah, there's been a number of media outputs of representing and trying to recognize the Black Panther Party. But none of these things have actually, A, driven an uptake in membership in the Black Panther Party, which still exists, nor has what the article really speaks to done anything for actual Black Panther Party living members. And I found the article incredibly fascinating uh, because you think about it, Judas and the Black Messiah is a movie about the assassination of Black Panther leader Fred Hampton, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. the actual star who played Fred Hampton in the movie won the Oscar for best supporting, supporting actor. actor. <laughs> yeah. So the movie was never, as with many claim to be, the movie was never about Fred Hampton because one, if you watch the movie and you know anything about the Black Panther Party, it did nothing to explore or demonstrate or show any of Fred Hampton's politics. Yeah. You left the movie think, knowing nothing about the Black Panther Party or Fred Hampton. But there's a number of Black Panther Party political prisoners who have just come home who are in their 60s and 70s and seeing all this After take 30 place. 30 plus 40 years being behind. My behind. man Jalil has, was in prison for 49 years, bruh. He did 49, just came home. And when he comes home, the first year he sees is his homie Fred Hampton being portrayed in the manner that he portrayed. And he's looking like, yo, so uh, y'all cutting the check to everybody? Because y'all have spent all these years co-opting the movement and commodifying the movement in such a manner that but that's that's part of the game and i think that's that's what leads to another situation another discussion about the way where propaganda falls into our community we just gobble that shit up but thoughts on the article go ahead crush um yeah it's clear it's clear that there's more money in the myth than the movement um you know they uh they would much rather um you know profit off of the uh mythologized versions romanticized version uh, or image of the black panther party that actually support the party itself that still exists they'd rather have you think that it's something it's a it's a great moment in the past that that for some reason can't seem to exist today that's what they seem to imply with all of these things and, um, you know, so I, I guess I'm not that surprised that, you know, that Hollywood would be that audacious with it. Because I had heard the comments about Jews and Black Messiah, and I, was, I wasn't I was that surprised. Although I, I was hoping that things were going to be bolder, but it's the same old, you know, same old, giving, same old give and take, where they're taking more than they're giving, you know, and, uh, and playing a shell game with our history. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, you know, but uh, that's how they love. That's how they love to make money and then and, and love to, you know, destroy culture. Yeah. My question then is this. How do you how do you remedy that then? How do they justifiably or authentically be able to pay these men and women that have suffered for the cause? Like, I mean, I don't know. I think it was Mac 10 that said it a long time ago. He said there's no rest home for gangsters. Like, how do you bring these folks home and find find a way to supplement them or to have them benefit from the history that they've laid down? Well, I think one of the things is, for one, I know these cats who have just come home, these wonderful brothers and sisters who just come home. It's not so much about them gaining revenue off of all the commodification that Beyonce and a host of other motherfuckers have done. It's not so much that they're looking for a piece of the bag from that. I think they would much rather have the commodification not take place at all. They would rather, it's, it's not a, you know, you can do it, but just give me my bag. You know to make sure that you know i get taken care of it's more along the lines of i wish our motherfuckers would not do it at all you don't because think the way your boy Khalil made it seem was like he he was mad not only mad at the commodification but the lack of recognition to those folks that so how yeah, do you properly yeah. give them that recognition then well, like you said I, these I people think... are in their late 60s early 70s like it's a it's a fading generation of people. Like, how do you effectively do that? Well, and I don't think the recognition is, again, it, the way that we would use recognition as acknowledging. I, I think what he's saying is he wants the actual work that our folks have actually done to be recognized and appropriately and not in the form of fashion that is constantly being demonstrated and put forward. I think, but I think also at the same time, I think radical grassroots organizers who have been in the game for a number of years have a debt to pay to the Jalils, the Sudeikos, all these cats who have just come home. I think, but that's what grassroots organizers, radicals have to figure out. You know, we have to figure out how do we make sure that when we have these folks come home that we have them set up. It's one thing for us to do books and write letters to them and take phone calls and all that type of stuff and provide stability while they're inside. But what do we have set up for them when they come to home? But even that stability that you're providing while they're inside is limited, extremely. Yeah. Well, it's limited yeah. for one because the state ain't shit and they're well, constantly trying to see it. But again, mm -hmm. yeah. expecting, yeah. I think that's where that class discussion comes in expecting Oprah's, Tyler Perry's, the Daniel Katz, all these dudes who profited off of these type of movements to give back. I think, again, that's an uh, unhealthy expectation to have when these guys don't have a radical politic bone in their body to begin with. So, and I think we have to begin measuring our expectations for folk. Like, is that really a healthy expectation to have? Like, I'm looking at my man win the supporting Oscar, and he's excited and crying and all that. And I'm looking at him trying to make sure I don't judge him unfairly because I'm thinking, motherfucker, you played a role where one of our greatest leaders was assassinated, and it wasn't done in the capabilities that you acknowledged. And now, so it's that 
dealing with that individualized component and that community, it's, it's a difficult place to be in, but I think there's a number of conversations that should be taking place on a larger scale, very much like the one we're having. So what do, how do we navigate these arenas that are going to continue to come up? They're doing a Marcus Garvey movie right now where essentially it's the same thing, where they're looking at the dude, the main character is the dude, one of the guys who betrayed Marcus Garvey. But many of us are going to look at that movie as, oh my God, it gives us an opportunity to examine and to see Marcus Garvey on the large screen. And my response is, damn, mm. dude, is that the mm. version you want to see? Did you have, did either one of you have any qualms with seeing Malcolm X on the big screen? Yes. Okay. Why? Explain why. I had qualms for one because 90 minutes of the movie is pre Malcolm. It's it's pre Malcolm. It's before Malcolm actually adapts adapts his radical ideology and radical politics. 90 minutes of a movie, and I think maybe two hours of change. Yeah. You spend most of that time dealing with him licking having white women lick it is you didn't get a chance to see Malcolm address the, his internationalism component. The mm -hmm. number of times that he actually went to the UN and thought, and, but imagine us seeing that on the big screen, what that does to yeah. radicalize our community. And again, yeah. when you insert the class dynamic, look at the people yeah. who actually fund, funded the they movie. Can't, that is, yeah, they, 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 can't, they, they, they cannot afford to show one of our movements winning, they can't afford to show one of our leaders actually forming, forming the movement. No, they can't show that. They can't. The they can't. They can't show the. They can't show the secret sauce. The number of African countries that actually aligned with Malcolm when he met with them, when he met with the, the African countries' leaders, the number of leaders that actually aligned with Malcolm at that point in time. Imagine putting that shit on the screen. But instead, you want to see that old girl, you know, licking the fucking bottom of his feet. You know, I mean, fuck so you don't think that any of these stories could ultimately be the catalyst for the person that wants to actually tell the real story? I would hope so. Yeah. Historically, that has not happened. No, no, you're you're spot on. But I mean, a lot of things yeah. historically haven't happened yet. I'm just saying you don't believe that that could that there could be one. There's going to be I, one young brother or sister that's going to see it and be like, okay, well, I've been seeing that the people aren't telling the full story. Let me I take hope. an opportunity to tell the full story. I, I hope that takes place. But I think the but monster that is highly weird is too big. I think that the capitalist monster that is highly weird is too big that it is not going to allow radical movie filmmaking to take place to actually. I've never seen it, man. I've never seen it. So I think we can see documentaries because documentaries don't I get the same type. I think that's where it's at. I think that's where it's at. I think at. that's wise. I think we should do more of those. Yeah, I think that's where it's, it's at. A lot more. Yeah. I think yeah. that's where it's at. I mean, but like you said, I mean, just following the money, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, even in this, even in this current climate, I was posting on our Instagram the other day about the trauma from seeing all of these different events happen day in and day out. And if you think about it, not too long ago, there's always been these instances of police brutality and police shootings and so on, but you never saw it on the news. They would report it. They would talk about it. Very rarely would you even really see them 
go in depth and have conversations or interview folks that were involved. But now you consistently see the videos, you see the conversations because they know that there's a market in it because they know that they're going to have eyeballs of people watching. And when the eyeballs are there, then you have ad revenue. And then when the ad revenue is there, it gives them the catalyst of the mindset that they can continue or should continue to do it. I don't know I how you I stop that because money is such a pulling, you know what I mean? I wish I could yeah, see this, the data this. of how much money Spotify made when they did their blackouts. I wonder how many subscribers what they do you mean, actually what they... gained. Well, right at the height of George Floyd, they did the blackout campaign right. where they had all these black artists. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot I'm about sorry that, about sorry. the train. I, you know, I live by the you live, you live where you live. It's good, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they but did the blackout and they put all the of these black uh, artists and things on the front page of the joint. Apple yeah. did the same thing. I would yeah. love to see the revenue from when they beforehand and when they did it. I guarantee you that that damn bag was big. So, so then how, okay, so this, this is my last question and we can move on to the next joint. How do we balance that? How do we balance this hunger, this thirst for black stories, for black, the black experience without it becoming this thing? Like, how do you feed the beast and not become the meal? You get what I'm saying? I, I, I hate to go back to that thought process, but I, I think the only way to do it is to do it black, like black from the bottom to the top. It can't be and that way, you, dude. I don't think that that's. I don't think that that's fair. Why do I not think that that's fair? Because uh, fucking Judas and the Black yeah, Messiah was black. All is fair is the word. Okay, so okay, I don't think that that's necessarily. I think fair is the right word. I don't think that that's a fair expectation given the fact that we just had Judas and the Black Messiah that the only person that was in black was the person that gave the money. So the only person who wasn't crush. black was the person what's, who what's gave the, the money. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my God, oh, man! All right, man. Crush, go ahead, man. What's the next? What's next right. the docket? Well, um, I saw a very uh, interesting and somber article in the New Yorker um, that uh, examined um, ageism in hip hop in the aftermath of the uh, consecutive deaths of DMX, uh, Black Rob, and now Shock G of uh, the Underground. Um, all of these men were. In the early fifties, and um, you know they were all um, artists of note with, uh, with uh, with rabid fan bases and what you would call successful careers. Um, and the article just kind of shined a light on how different it is um, in this particular genre, where the artists don't seem to be embraced as they age um, the way they are in rock in rock and roll, for example. And um, it was hard not to. Uh, to, to acknowledge you know, the, the, the truths behind that, that, you know, it seems like only a few of us, a few of the, you know, the artists that we grew up on, the artists that we, we saw succeed, you know, um, seem to uh, live out their, 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 their later, their, 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 mid, their middle years, um, you know, with full health. Um, you know, someone like Jay-Z seems to be like an anomaly, um, but he's not alone. There are others that are definitely, you know, claiming their, 
their uh, their 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 advanced age as they get older, you know, from Chuck D to, to Nas and others. But seeing because like uh, DMX, Black Rob, and Chuck D are not alone. Um, Doom, uh, MF Doom passed away at 49 last last October, and uh, we dealing with other like uh, you know, Heavy D uh, died in his early 50s as well. A very successful artist by by all accounts. Um, so you know, it's, it's you know, it makes me wonder, you know, what is it about this culture? What is it about this profession, even, that allows our um, our even our, our great ones, quote unquote, to be, uh, you know, I mean, outside of any sense of personal accountability, how they seem to be forgotten this way or not as you know uh, revered as uh, other genres? Mm-hmm. Is is ageism real in hip in, in hip hop, and and what does that say about us as Go a community? Ahead, I think there's so many components to this. Uh, I think this is one of the only industries where the dominant money makers are not also the dominant owners of that particular money maker. So the comparison that people typically want to make is they want to compare, you know, the way that old white folks, you know, do rock and roll and country shit, how these old white folks go on the road and do concerts and all that bullshit. Mm -hmm. They always want to use that as an example to say, well, how come, you know, old rappers can't do it? Well, because typically within this particular genre, it is usually a youth-driven market where typically young folks are the ones who dictate who is hot and who is not hot. And if you are someone who's been in the game for a long time, it's going to be hard for you to address and deal with some of these younger cats who are doing amazing. Like us right now, we can't tell who is the hottest rapper in the game right now. For people who are 25 and under, the hottest rappers in the game is somebody that we would never fucking listen to. Because we, we don't listen to that type of stuff because it's geared towards and i think the difficult component to this is it's not a game and crush i want you to to, to please speak more on this because this is your lane it's not a game a lane where folks are able to make a substantial sort of income to actually stack and save for their older years unless you're one of those top tier. And remember, in hip hop, it's only probably about what? Not even 10 yeah. artists right now who are elite, who can sell out fucking stadiums, who are making that 50, 60 years from now. That 50, when I'm 50 and 60, I actually have that money that I made when I was 21. It's only about 10. If 10. Who are because yeah. and that's the way it's a really interesting thing, but I think the one thing that people are talking about often is hip hop needs union. I oh I ain't listen. Elgin is pro union. I am pro worker. <laughs> I think it needs to be a motherfucking union. But I think also at the same time, some of these cats who have who are in so called positions of leadership need to be taken to task for some of their mishandling of some of their office, particularly one Sean. Diddy Combs, who has probably the worst track record of dealing with an artist, with dealing with artists, I, 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 I can only, you know, I can, 
and I might be completely wrong, but I can go crazy. Yeah. Like Rob, Biggie. Yeah. Loon. Loon, all those guys. Yeah. Shine. I mean, Lil Kim. I mean, Father MC's baby mama. I mean, you know, it's weird because, you know, there's a, there's a perspective out there, at least from the businessman's perspective, is that, you know, why in the music industry are certain are, are certain are, are are these businesses being held responsible for the uh, hard times their former employees yeah, are yeah, going yeah, through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but they forget one thing: we're black. We're all black. <laughs> Right, that's the part they forget, and we're all mm -hmm. black, right? But it gets a little more complicated than that, of course, because you don't know what kind of black people you're dealing with. And when it comes to Sean Combs, when it comes to someone like Sean Combs, um, you're dealing with someone with some more gray areas there, you know. Um, the one thing I've learned is that the industry preys on the ignorant the most, you know, what I'm saying they prey on the ignorant. And I mean, you're right. You're right, L. There's not a lot of guys who have managed to survive and make this career sustainable because they have, because of the ignorance that they were uh, allowed to, yep. and their youth, the ignorance that they that they were like that these labels don't feel responsible for. You know what I'm saying? They're just, you know, they're just being fed by their their fan base and they're being fed by their ego. But there are there are examples, and there was, these were examples I had to find. Of cats who understood what it meant to have publishing, what it meant to have healthcare, what it meant to have a have have, have a therapist. Therapist. Um, sure. And you know, but these were personal journeys they had to take. You know, these weren't these weren't a part of the of the health benefits package. You know what I'm saying? Um, Motherfuckers don't have medical insurance, bro. No, like, no insurance. They they, they, they have to go by Cobra. They, they have to use Cobra, man. And if you're an 18-year-old dude who signs with a multi-billion dollar company and you get that and advantage. You are, and you are speaking and rhyming trauma-laden lyrics and they don't offer you a motherfucking counselor? I mean, look, I mean, the 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 the, 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 the most bald-faced example of exploitation I've ever seen is Bobby Schmurder. You know what I'm saying? And you know, I, I I'd like to think there's someone in his corner that takes his publishing situation seriously. I like to think I like to think that when Bobby Smurder showed up at DMX's memorial and showed all that love, that he saw something he did not want to that, for him. that he saw yeah. something he did not want to become. You just yeah, came home, brother. He's giving little examples of being, you know, being discreet, but he's still young. And and the label is about to drop a Stupid bag in his neck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but I hope that, you know, I hope the hope young brothers like him can see, you know, the the you know someone like DMX that you looked up to yeah. ultimately, ultimately failed himself. But let's keep it 100 percent You funky, know what I'm saying? Man. This the music industry ain't no different from any other industry that you can think of. It's a job, it's a job. With no regulations. That's all. There's no regulations. Well, I mean, people at the top are gonna find a way to exploit you in any form or fashion that they can possibly exploit right. you. You go to do a job, you sit down for your interview, you negotiate your rates or whatever your salary yep. is, and there's somebody that they know that they're going they're trying to make sure that you get as less as possible compared to the next dude because that puts money back into their pocket that they can use so this is no different man 
But like I was saying, I said it before, there's no rest home for gangsters, man. So I don't know how you necessarily do that. Like my my I heard Master P say that, and my qualm with him saying that was not necessarily that it's not something that's that's not necessary, right? But who then controls the power behind that whole process? Because you're not you're gonna put money in the hands of Diddy and Master P to do the right thing. You're gonna put money in the hands of the industry to do the right thing. That's the thing I have to understand, like putting a union in the in the music industry, like every time I hear that, I'm like, okay, well, I guess we gotta start voting for uh for uh you know new uh municipal you know, attorneys for I for for IP. I guess we I'm gotta start voting. Up. I guess we gotta start you know voting for more legislation for copyright law. We have to you know we, I, you just can't say you want to union the music industry. You know how you know how hilarious that that is. I puff, see Puffy. He'll say he'll say oh that's a great idea. Right. He'll turn around yeah, and start laughing with his niggas. Start laughing right. with his niggas like these niggas crazy. Like you union. How y'all fucking a union? How how are you how how are you gonna get two artists from two separate labels to be in a union? Give, give me or give me. I mean, you're talking about two inherent competitors. You're talking about but two different crew, and, and not only that, you might you might you might be dealing with the blood and the crip. But <laughs> and, and part of the, the whole <laughs> industry when it comes to hip hop is to perpetuate that beef. Because yeah. that beef right there sells money. Records. It's money. And that's part black, of the Black conflict, black trauma makes the money. Out here now. It's not simply that they were reckless black folks. The music industry hyped that up. You know how fast Hit Em Up came out? Mm. Listen, man. Mm. Hit em, they it's released Hit Em Up so fast. Hit Em Up and then get money. Those disc records because the industry... Man, listen, bro. And, 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 and the you know what? Why I mentioned Puff Daddy and Father MC's baby mama earlier was not that he slept with her, but when he was a promoter, he promoted a heavy D concert in New York and oversold the number of tickets for the venue, hmm. and it was a stampede. Yeah, and Father MC's died. wife and yeah, uh, baby mama actually was killed. Yeah, that's nuts. But you know, I I'm feel like forever, ever. But you know, I, I, a part of me also feels like older hip hop artists are kind of kept out because you know, what are you getting from an older, an older hip hop artist versus a younger one? Yeah, what are you intelligence? Getting? You get, you're, yeah. you're getting a full, you're getting a fully grown, fully realized black man or woman who has been through so much. As master that crap and managed to hold the fan base. You, that's you, why. You, that's I, why I albums like four. That's why albums like four forty four threw niggas off. I think you're taking it. They didn't. They didn't expect anybody to do songs like Legacy. I think you're taking you know it further than what it, right. where, where we actually are in in the realm of the music, right? Because right. we're looking at the music industry, and you'll say, okay, a group like the Rolling Stones, them niggas have been on tour and do shows and pack stadiums for how many donkeys? All them dudes is in their like late, mm -hmm. their mid to late seventies. Right, as young as hip hop is, we have our folks are the icons that we look up to that are probably what in their in their early to mid fifties. How many folks do you know that are rushing to go see a Big Daddy Kane concert? Nobody. This nigga, uh, not, uh, almost died. they said he almost died as a destitute, like he didn't really have bread like that. From I mean, Shock, Shock G is a note was well for, for mo some of us, Shock G is notable, right? You would think that he would have some bread. No, yeah. no. Yeah. where's the last time you saw Keith Murray? 
on versus on the versus. On the versus okay, teams. okay. Before look, look, looking pretty healthy before, actually. Before pretty healthy yeah. versus. Before versus. When's the last time you saw? It? Was you rushing to go see a Keith Murray concert? Well, the funny thing is, no. The funny thing is, Nas and Hove are dropping a new song tomorrow. Two of yeah. the oldest legends in hip hop. See, see, which I guarantee see. is on some black excellence, black capitalist bullshit. <laughs> yeah, bullshit. But, you, why do you always but sound so but, salty when these but, niggas but, but see, talking? But see, the thing is, I but see, the thing is, what's wrong with you? But see, my thing is, my thing is like that's the thing. Like we have to, we we have to, we have to let go of this like this program narrative that hip hop can't age. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's not gotta, that's not that's just, that's just that's just not fair. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just not, especially when cats are putting out solids like Sean Price. Okay, God, let's take a step back. Man, I think, I think that, he I got harder of, as he got older. Well, I think part of the reason why that's the, the problem is because we have now incorporated hip hop into pop music, pop culture. Mainstream. Right. And yeah. pop culture has always been youth dominated. You're not talking no. about just being a rock and roll so. artist. Mm -hmm. You're so. talking about being a pop artist. When's the last time you see really seen like what? Guess what? you see people Guess picking what? up Britney Spears or fucking uh, what's, what's, what's old boy's name? La Vida Loca or some shit. Like, come on, my guy. That's like, not it's, that's it's not youth driven. No. Check it out. Check it out. It, it's a very big planet. One thing. Two. Streaming has allowed the parsing of these audiences. They're out there. These cats are making money. And believe it or not, I've seen more than one pack Big Daddy, Big Daddy King show. More than one. Um, these cats just, these cats are in, in, in a way suppressed. You know what I'm saying? I've heard bullshit statements from Revolt TV about, about <laughs> a tribe called Quest. You know what I'm saying? A tribe called Quest. Right after, right after Fife died. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. tribe called Quest. Okay, come that on. Goes to O's point, you know what that goes to O's don't, point. Don't, don't feed into that narrative, bro. Don't do that. No, no. It's, it's, it, it is an unhealthy, unfair narrative, but I think there's a level of accuracy there that these folks, these leaders in the industry are marketing towards youth intentionally. <laughs> yeah. I, because, and it's sad, and I think when we do see a Big Daddy Kane, Big Daddy Kane can, can sell out probably, you know, Maybe a half a dozen times a year, but when you have somebody, you know, I was going to say trash, and that's not fair. Like Lil Yachty or some of these other littles, these cats. Well, I mean, because well, they they're universal. They're on Universal. There we go. Who is <laughs> you know funneling the money to these? Big Daddy King don't have a record contract right now. He ain't got no company behind him supporting him and putting him out. So whatever he's doing, he's doing it out the mud. And I think that's. I just think the industry, man, has always been incredibly uh, oppressive to young black minds and black creatives. And I'm not just talking about rappers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not yet. Singers. You can, yeah, have, you can have a conversation. Musicians. Singers. Musicians. Musicians. Very talented musicians. Engineers. Abused. What? I mean, look, they will tell these young cats to, yo, 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 ease back, ease back on that. On that, on that flash that you're doing, he's back. Break it down for me. Yeah, you gotta make it a little more simple. Like all that, all that Coltrane shit you're doing. Chill out, chill out on that. Chill out on that mm -hmm. Mingus shit you're doing. Chill out, chill out. Ease up on that. Ease up on the genius. And with everything being and, and, now, and, 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 and that, that's my main problem. That's my main beef. Yeah. As soon as soon as soon as Lauren Hill started started waking up. Oh, she's crazy. Oh, we need Cardi B. No, no. So when you look at when you look at iTunes 
and you look at their relationship with all of these record companies and you go every Friday to look at the new releases, nine times out of 10, the new releases that you see is going to be based off of the record companies that they have relationships with. So they put it on the front page of their little menu for you to press the button. And streaming, motherfuckers don't even know what a stream is. They don't even know how much money they're getting out of a stream. Let me the ask you a question. So I, don't, trash, I, don't, I don't want to. I don't want to cast aspersions or use a, a blanket. You know, paint a bro, use a broad brush or whatever the, the saying is, right? But you have these kids, like, let's say for example, like Little Nas X, someone who started on SoundCloud, knew how the game worked and exploited it. Like he was able to not only find a following, but find he himself. No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Well, he there didn't. are other artists that that have done it. Maybe I'm just using them as the example in, in this case. So plug any of the littles that you, like you said before, in that spot. People that so, understand how the streaming game works and been able to exploit it because, like you said, they're getting it out of mud. They're doing it from okay. SoundCloud that doesn't have any necessarily any big corporate backing to it. How then do you explain folks like Big Daddy Kane, to Eric Sermons, all these folks that we're looking for that aren't able to gain that same sort of traction without the big financial backing? Because I don't think we think Little Nas X went from SoundCloud to twerking on the devil's lap. Like in between there, there was a number of hands who put money behind him to push him to be where he is in the industry. Please do not let any, yeah, let not, don't fall into the thinking that he got this out of the mud <laughs> by himself. So that is oh, 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 no. Lil Nas X is, Lil Nas X is actually probably six people. Yeah. Lil Nas X is probably actually six or eight people. Yeah. And, 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 and if you remove one of those people, well, not sex with this it's, it's, it's exchange. It's only one person out there right now who is actually getting it out of the mud independently. That I mean, not one, but there's several. But totally, yeah, it's a bunch. Who? Young women Toby. too. Total. Toby and Nick West. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Toby, I give it. I give it to him. He, Every, his image. Yeah, his, yeah. Bro, listen. I mean, I want his mother. Um, wasn't Anderson Park? In the same boat, or no? He always had money. I mean, pa- I mean, I mean, actually, Anderson Park has has been in the has been in the industry as a songwriter for a okay. long okay. time. I didn't, I didn't know. And, no. and, and then as, he was a musician and all that stuff. But wow. when, you got, when you got with Dre, yeah, yeah, things kind of you know I didn't much know. another love for him. I didn't know. But I mean, the question is like, are all these things going to mean something for these artists, these young artists, when they, you know, will they, you know, what will longevity mean? Does, what does longevity mean to today's artists? Does it even does it even matter? You know, I mean, and, 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 and at what and at what cost? She wanted to be a musician. I would tell her to do something different immediately. Yeah, yeah. Like, listen, you ain't been no. You get the fuck away from that. But the industry, but the game, like you said, the game has changed slightly. Man, I was talking, had an opportunity to sit down. I mean, they're, they're they are good and bad parts of it, but the way we treat our veterans, you know. I mean, but like I said, the, the game is like I said, the game has changed in the in this uh, in the perspective that before the big the get was to get yourself a deal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now I was talking with a marketing and branding expert the other day and she's like, all of these young cats that are on SoundCloud, it's not about getting the deal. Cause if they get the deal, so what said the over, some of these dudes are making upwards of close to seven figures. Some of these kids that you've never even heard of. How are they getting their money though? 
through merchandising. Like it is that is the way they're making their money and realizing that it's not Griselda. necessarily about and, and going on the fucking road and selling your shit. Listen, that's how Griselda got to be. Now they was always dope as fuck, and they mm. are dope as fuck. But their merch line at their concerts when they was just doing little hole in the walls actually, in the woods. Hmm. Actually, actually, more spe- like actually, actually, more specifically, with in Griselda's case, well, we're going way off here, but specifically in Griselda's case, they invested heavily in art itself, actually, which is some, which is which is which is something that you know a lot of our favorite art, like buying Monets and Picassos and shit. Bruh. No, no, on on one level, yes, but on another level, they invest in serious illustrators. Who are tremendously talented to I mean I mean what West Side Gun pays these guys Bro, is man. now is no he paid he puts down serious bread to make those album covers. Hmm. Serious Bro, bread. Okay. I mean he's so much, so much. And, 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 when, and, when, and when the fans realize that, what does he do? He makes prints. And what does he yeah. put them in? I've what does he put them in? How they make them collectibles, Bro, man. man. Yo, yo, can you can you look there, there are Griselda fans out there with walls full of these album covers. Interesting. I've never. And I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I want. I want the. I want the hoodies. You know what I'm and that's Griselda, that's what I. Bro. You know. That, that's what I. You know. Not Rockefeller. Not Diddy. Not Rough Riders. I've never now, seen a group move in the way that Griselda has moved. This young and you know, the yeah. compa- bro. It's. Brutal. I mean, it, it's, hmm. but you know, it only it only makes you wish that you know these these kinds of maneuvers were there. For the cats that we grew up and loved, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Shock G, you know, was a tremendously gifted producer and songwriter, oh, God, yeah. respected, put out a lot of work, you know. And I was surprised when things kind of went to the wayside for him because I, I, I thought his, 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 his talent would would carry him through. But there are more that there are, there's it, it takes more than talent. It takes you know fin- financial literacy. Yeah, it takes. It takes it takes it takes serious financial planning. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it takes you know it, it takes you know having a having a good tax lawyer, you know. I mean, all, all things that you know they don't tell you when they, when you sign the contract, mm-hmm. you know, which is you know which you can't blame them or maybe the people around them or they, you know, or maybe just the system that they were in that would that would that makes more money from their ignorance, mm-hmm. you know, than their education. Nah, you're right about that. Rough they they often mind. learn they often learn these things way too late, like 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 DMX. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget when he said, when when it, when it came and found when it, when he when he said his main beef with Def Jam was that I made those motherfuckers hundred eleven million dollars in one year. How much do you think I got? Two and a half. We go on and on, man. Think yeah. about it for a minute. hundred eleven million dollars in a year in hip hop, like. The biggest thing, and, 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 and I'm gonna be real, I'm, I'm gonna be real. Like, it's not that DMX was entitled to 111 million dollars. No, of okay. course, not. We're, we're not saying that. It, it's it, it, the fact of the matter is, he was entitled to at least 20 of that 111 million. Oh, that's been, yeah, at least 20 for these guys to be dying broke, 
and their records are still being played. See, that's why that's why Spotify pisses me yeah, off. That's, that's, why Spotify, that's why Spotify. That's why Spotify because when Spotify started doing this shit, they started doing new contracts with the no, labels. Not even just not even just that. I think that's ultimately what gets me. We'll close it out on this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm going over. No, no, no. We we good. I'm glad that we're having this conversation, man. I think the part that gets me is that you have incidences like this. Where Shock G will pass away, Black Rob will pass away, DMX will pass away, and then all of a sudden their catalog jumps from number two thousand and whatever, whatever, up to into the top five spots because of their passing, and then their estate doesn't get any money. Who's the oh, who's getting that? Oh, 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 the industry ends up eating that up. Oh, the labels end up eating that up. Look, don't worry. By the end of the year, you're going to be hearing about Black Rob's lawyer. No. You and hopefully for him, yeah. I, I'm hoping, yeah, I'm I'm hoping yeah, his yeah. estate gets gets or deserves or, or 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 Puff grows half a heart and decides to settle out of court. That ain't that. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on because we already know that that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. We know that that's not happening. I'm All sorry, right. people. <laughs> right about now no, no. is the time okay. when we like to give you little tidbits of news or words of wisdom that you can take with yourself into the week. So, L, what's up? Hey man, I've been talking about. Uh, I had a conversation today. If you guys are following us on. IG in the Black Podcast, PDCST, had a conversation today talking about communication and Black men, specifically us communicating effectively with each other. One of the things that I did was take inventory of relationships that I have black with Black men in my life and to see where they are based off of how we communicate. And what I realized is that a number of them are fragmented, fractured, or right on the verge of falling apart. Hmm. Because we're not communicating effectively with each other. I think that's something that we really as a people need to begin to do, particularly black men, figure out how a way to communicate better because we're losing and destroying too many relationships because we can't communicate effectively. No, that's spot on, my guy. Crush, what's up, man? Um, I just want to part something I've learned recently um, about leadership and change and um, realizing that when it comes to enabling change in your organization. You can't choose whether to manage it or lead it. You have to do both. Yeah. You can't make that choice. And check out my cruise album tomorrow on Bandcamp called Crush. My man. This, Drop this albums dude. like O Drops is Draws oh. or Strip Club. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not that many, man. This is the only one I've been focusing on for a while, so you know. Ooh, not that many. <laughs> <laughs> no, but please check out much cruise out. My my hatred for Ooh. the both of you continues to increase every freaking show. Turn around, pick up them draws, boy. Pick up them draws. What's up for me this week, man? I actually got an opportunity to watch a uh, documentary the other day about one of the fastest growing sports in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, which is funny, hmm. which is wrestling. And they've put their own cultural spin on wrestling. I'm not talking about like professional collegiate wrestling. I'm talking about like WWE style. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking about WWE style wrestling. What? And what they've done is that this wrestling component, they've actually put it's called fetish, right? They, okay. Fetish is basically voodoo. So they've added this voodoo and ancestor worship and cultural background on top of their wrestling. The thing that's the most fascinating to me is that the country seems to be split. Why? Because of the colonization and Catholicism and Christianity, there's a portion of them that are like, 
We don't want you to do that. We don't want to see it in public spaces, especially because it seems to be gaining so much traction. And then you have some, it again. It's it's I forget what the word for wrestling is, but fetish is essentially voodoo. So yeah, I must ask my man about like, this. Just Google, just Google um voodoo wrestling in the Democratic Republic of the Congo in the Congo. You you'll find out more from the Congo. And what's interesting, what's even more interesting is that the fastest growing uh investors, and I say investors lightly, people that people that want to partake in it. In, in this, in voodoo wrestling. Oh, God. Please don't say white people. Please don't say white people. Women. Please don't say. Women in the Congo. Women are investing? Are all, not in terms of money. I'm Putting the money? They're taking, oh, they're taking they're part in it. Like, they're, they're the largest base of people that it watch sense. it and take part in it. Because apparently it it's sense. very, very empowering. And if you know anything about African, if you know anything about African culture, in many instances, there is the perception that African culture is predominantly patriarchal, but if you know anything really about African culture, Ooh, you know it's it it's, it's a not. matriarchy. Everything <laughs> goes through the woman. So to see these things start to come to part, like the battle that's going on between the, the cultures, right? Like wow, trying, trying, to, wow. trying to trying to leave the old culture behind. And it's wow. it's, it's I gotta, oh, okay. I got I, I gotta see this. I gotta see it's bananas. Colonization it's bananas. is a motherfucker. I know, it's man. A, it's, it's a, a bitch, man. It's, it's a mother. It's a mother. It's it a mother. literally impedes human progress. Like the, literally, they were talking about president progress. President Mobutu, who was like a, the president in the the mid early to mid seventies, who yeah, when he right, took right, over right. was trying to bring back after colonization, trying to bring back heritage and ancestor worship and sure, bring that sure, back into sure. the culture of people. But he had his own problems and he fucked yeah. a lot of shit up and people thought started to associate that part of their lifestyle and him and how they're all negative things. And it really didn't work out too well. Things start to really fall apart. Very, 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 very fascinating great. shit. Very, very fascinating yeah, shit. I gotta see this. No but, doubt. Oh, I guess, oh, would your roots of being in the country did any of your families deal with ancestral worship at all i'm going to tell you like this that is a very very interesting question elgin because we live i'll tell you that culturally we straddle both lines especially for folks that are uh uh protestant okay sure. mm. uh mm. english the english um imperialization of the country brought Christianity and also brought Catholicism into Nigeria. But at the same time, when you're talking about reaching those people that lived in the bushes, there's still yeah. a big, people still take juju very, 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 very seriously, even though they may be everyday practicing uh, Christians. It's it's a there's a line hmm. that they straddle it, that it's very very fascinating because in this country we have the same thing taking place. I, like I said, it's the battle, it's a the comeback. Battle, yeah. And part of it is also when you look at it, they they've also in talking about how the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo looks at it. In many instances, if you are a Christian, you look at a Christian in Nigeria from my yeah, from yeah, my experience yeah. no, okay sure. you're looking at people that understand practice or even acknowledge juju as evil or as bad you try to Ooh. you try to remove yourself from these babalawos is what they call witch doctors these yeah, medicine yeah, men yeah, 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 you see yeah. what i'm saying but 
Yeah. Once again, you acknowledge it as part of your origin because you may still have my grandmother who's 80 something damn years old. She knows what mm-hmm. time it is. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like well, I said, it's a very, fascinating, very fascinating. Man. I would love to have somebody who's more in tune with it. We'll, we'll find somebody because I think it's, a, it's, well, it's know, an incredible I know, conversation. I know a lady who, who would come through and she's she's phenomenal. She would give a, oh, that would be awesome. She would give us a, a lesson that we would need to understand the dichotomy and all those types of things when it mm-hmm. comes to the battle that is taking place uh because I, it, there's a number of levels when we think voodoo we think one thing when we think juju we think another thing we try to put it all together and so it's the same and not thing. understanding that the way it's been propagated is that it's Ooh. all negative and not knowing that it's not it's not negative it's a religion like santeria like christianity like judaism like that that other people worship. It's not whether you pray to Christ to help your your fellow man or you pray to Christ yeah, to doctor. give to give him a kick in the ass. I mean, it's still the same. You know what I'm saying? It's all the same. No, 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 no. But, it, is. it is. Yeah, yeah. We've been conditioned to think that voodoo is devil worship. It's yeah, all, it's exactly, cold-like. exactly. Very, very. We got a whole roots of families and people who have been surviving off of that for years. It's yeah, fascinating, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Crush, where can people find you if they want to find you, man? Oh man, for, for now you can find me on at Amphibians on, on Instagram, A M P H B N S, or at Amphibians.com. At least until next week or so. <laughs> L, where can people find you if they want to find you, man? Until he drops another fucking album. I know. Okay, so creative. You get you get a bonus this year. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Twitter these more these days, man. Zuckerberg is fucking around over at Facebook, wow. so I hang out Dan on Twitter, LG, bro. He's wow. Uh, yeah. So at Elgin Bailey on Twitter, come through. No doubt. And I'm big. Oh, Mister In the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at M R underscore In the Black. And I want to thank you guys for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick it with us, and we appreciate it. Remember, you can follow us across social media at In the Black P D C S T on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you really dig what we're putting down, make sure you become a patron. You won't regret it. And you can, of course, check out past episodes at our website, www.intheblackpodcast.com. But as always, until next time, informed, intelligent, in the black. In the black. Peace. In the black, bro. Hands down, one of the best podcasts I ever heard, though. Word. Bretrix, what up? I am Brett, I block up here, Bretrix, listen. In the black podcast, that your lad is all facts. You don't like that, then fall back. In the black podcast, don't talk trash. Yeah. switch fast if you ain't raw, then yeah. you're whack. Informed, intelligent elements, always relevant. Not for the weak and delicate. This is eloquent excellence. We are setting the precedence. Rest of them are excrement. In the black podcast, the truth like the testament. Don't know, black up he, bro. Man, a specialist. Know what the podcast broadcast. Y'all mess with this. Like, said they my cheat. Who no do it so effortless? I listen to my learn when them listen to my benefit reporting current events everything that is prevalent this is so exquisite a scientific experiment giving you the news not fused without evidence telling you the truth sentiments without embellishments relax these are the facts bringing them to your residence in your house or your tenement listen to hear intelligence body filled with melanin power that's so acetylene bright in the stars bringing some light back to the desolate
yeah. In the black podcast, they your lad, it's all facts. You don't like that, then fall back. In the black podcast, they punt up. Who knows if you watch black up in your chat, Mickey on flop. In the black podcast, they your lad, it's all facts. You don't like that, then fall back. In the black podcast, we outlast. The whole of them can, none of them no can trust. Yeah. Like that though. Yeah, man, that's how we are doing it, no big ol'. Yeah, Mr. In the Black himself. Uh, what up, DJ Henry? It's your boy Black Pete. I'm out. No.